We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Indiana Pacers. Reggie from the wing. to the big fella, fake, shoots, and hits! He 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 hits! What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. One game left in the regular season tomorrow night against the Atlanta Hawks. But after that, we got ourselves a playoff series against the Boston Celtics. And joining me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Tyler Smith and Mike Focci. Focci, leader of the Germano Nil Fan Club, how you doing? I'm doing great, but these Indiana Pacers, whew, they've seen better times. However, I'm hopeful that the best is ahead, so bring on a Boston Yep, our record will be 0-0 zero and zero once we go into that postseason. And, of course, the coach, the insider, and the soon-to-be father once again, Tyler Smith. What's going on, man? Hey, good to be here. Uh, just on the phone this time. Uh, I didn't want to see my, my ugly face on the uh, video, so uh, just joining you via, via phone. Awesome, awesome. And, of course, we have to have a special guest to talk all things Pacers Celtics. He's the editor-in-chief of 8 Points, 9 Seconds and the host of Locked On Pacers. Give it up for Tony East. What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Glad to have you. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we saw tonight Pacers put out a report on Twitter. Wesley Matthews out with a sore toe. Uh, Tony, Pacers obviously have a meaningless game against Atlanta tomorrow night. We see one starter now out with an injury. Do you expect more starters to be put on this injured reserve list? This is video, so I can actually do air quotes. Sore toe. <laughs> Sore toe. Um, yeah, I like Turner hurt his ankle, right, in the last game. There's literally no point in him playing 
in this game. They have Kylo Quinn for this reason. There's, this game means absolutely nothing unless you bet the over. So I feel like Turner should not play. And then Collison was out for so long. Maybe he needs to get in a rhythm. But, like, there's no reason to play both him and Corey Joseph. Like, to me, it should just be Holiday and Sumner and Alze and Leaf and all those dudes playing, like, 30 minutes because there's no reason to get anyone hurt in a game that literally does not matter. Yeah, Fachi? I mean, I was looking at it. Boyan, Thad, and Corey Joseph have all played in 81 games this season. That screams, give them some time off because they earned it. And then also, Collison, Miles Turner, and Demonta Sabonis, they've all played in at least 74 games, and you could see Collison is pretty banged up right now. I think that you should be resting just about everybody. Collison, you can make an argument for it. Does he want to shake off some rust? But for the rest of them, come on. Give the young guys some burn, some extra minutes. Tyler, what are, what, what are you thinking on this? Yeah, I mean, I've been posting this on Twitter for a while now that I would have rested on Sunday. Um, but they didn't do that. They chose not to. So they have another opportunity here to rest and rejuvenate. As you guys said, the game means absolutely nothing. Um, who cares if the Patriots beat Atlanta except maybe some fans that Want another win on the total? Um, I don't know. Maybe Nate McMillan was just blowing smoke to the media, but you know, to even um, even contemplate playing everybody, I don't think you know something that's very smart. We'll see what they end up doing, but I say rest as many guys as physically possible in this game. Am I allowed to, to do to do topics and questions? Can I do a fun one? Okay, if you want to share, you're our guest. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the field here. Alex Golden, who leads the Pacers in minutes in this game? Who leads the Pacers? In, oh, Aaron Holiday. For you me. think so? That's who I was gonna pick too. Dang, I thought it would be more, more debate there. No, me and you think a lot alike. Just kidding. Well, last year I think in that in that Hornets game it was it was GR three, right? Was it? I don't remember. It, it was their last game that Joe Young played like 24 minutes. Rip Joe Young. I I wanted to know. Who everybody thought would play the most minutes, but if it's everybody's going to say Holiday, then never mind. Well, if I give... be different, I would rather play Tyreek forty minutes. You know, I'm o- you know I'm always going to be the different one. Give my man Kylo Quinn some extra <laughs> minutes. Yes. Who knows if we're going to need him? Why not? Well, that's well. Then you're going to get him hurt. That doesn't make sense. Oh no. <laughs> Let him shake off some rust. He's earned it. <laughs> yeah. Let Kylo Quinn beef up those per thirty sixes for his free agency. Exactly. Yeah, he's coming back. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Don't see that happening. Uh, you want to ask? You want to? You want to chime in on this, Tyler? I would go with Holiday as well, and I, I'm going to say he's going to get about let's see, 28 points and 11 assists in that game. Too. Oh man! Woo! Okay, oh, man. 28 points on how many shots? Uh, he'll probably take about 21 shots. <laughs> uh, you oh, didn't see man. it, but Tony just uh, did 40. <laughs> Well, <laughs> let him chuck, man. Trey, Trey Young, Aaron Holiday shootout for the whole fourth quarter. Well, well, here's a reason that I think the Pacers should try to lose is because you're looking at the yeah. NBA draft. Uh, the Clippers, the the Spurs, OKC all have 47 wins as well as the Pacers. So getting those, getting a little bit of a jump there in the NBA draft would be a huge uh, boost, especially if they want to trade that pick. Uh, a late teens is way better than early twenties, so that's another reason I'm all for not really tanking, but you know, not trying to win. I mean, you don't want to promote tanking. This isn't really tanking during the playoffs, but you get what I'm saying. A, a higher draft pick is better for the Pacers, and this draft it's not like star heavy, but there's some really quality players in this draft, in my opinion. And if there's some guys that slide, uh, you know, 
that'd be a good spot to be in. So let's move on. I know people don't want to hear us talk about this meaningless Hawks game for very much longer. So we're going to jump into it right away. We're going to talk a little bit about the Pacers and the Celtics and what we should expect going forward in this series. But my first question before we even get into the series is, I'll start with Tony here, as we kind of do an around-the-horn type style again. How does this postseason affect free agency for the Pacers' upcoming free agents? It's hard to say because... Like, Vic's not playing. So everybody knows, like, even if they lose, like, well, maybe they would have won with Vic. And if, if it – I think it can And like, if they go seven, the storyline is obvious. It'll be – look look what could happen if we have Vic and one more guy. You know, they had, they were 57-win pace team when he played. I mean, obviously he played in the soft part of the schedule, but still, that's insane win pace. Um, you know, I think that will be how it's looked at. But I don't think if you – yeah, maybe they get swept and then maybe something bad happens. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think if you lose in five, like everybody knows why. And I think it'll be the same Pacers free agency that we always see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know you were on uh, Aquarian Schultz a couple weeks ago and you were talking about who's the most important Pacer to bring back. I, be- I believe you said Thaddeus Young, correct? I did. So do you still stand by that or do you think do. that you, you do? Okay. Oh, I yeah. just wanted to see if you had changed your mind on that at all. Oh, yeah. It's been a couple weeks. He's not been shooting the ball particularly well. And well, <laughs> the Celtics just don't guard him on threes, which I know, me. <laughs> which which is an interesting thing because it was similar to what the Sixers did as well when they put Embiid on him and put Ben Simmons on Turner, which I just thought was really interesting. So, uh, was was curious your thoughts on the power forward position, but if you still think they should bring Thad Young back, uh, you know I'm not against it. I love Thad Young; he's the glue guy, like you said. So, uh, Fachi, postseason effect free agency at all to you? I think that if the Pacers have a lot to gain if they were to beat Boston the first round without Oladipo, it makes it seem like, wow, you know, if you can pair a kind of even a B-plus type player with Oladipo and this team, they could really do something. If this team loses in five or six wins, uh, five or six games, I meant, I don't think it's going to affect free agency much. Even a sweep, I don't think that people are going to be like, wow, you know, this team really could have done damage with Oladipo. If you win, yes, it will open up the eyes to everybody. If you lose in Game 7, it's just going to be bittersweet because, sure, people will know Oladipo was the difference. All right, Tyler? Yeah, I think my answer is probably a pretty boring answer to to the fans, but I don't think this series is really going to impact free agency at all. I mean, honestly, regardless of what happens – uh, I don't think in terms of bringing guys in, I don't think it's going to affect them because everybody knows Oladipo's out. Money talks. If the Pacers throw a lot of money at somebody, that's the chance that they have to get you know a good player in free agency. As far as our own guys, I mean, Kevin Pritchard, we've talked about it at length. We don't envy what he's, you know, the decisions that he has to make this summer. Um, but I really don't see him looking into this one series and really thinking, okay, I've got to bring this guy back or that guy back. I think he knows uh, kind of what he wants to do no matter what happens in this series. So you don't think Tyreek's going to get an extension, Tyler? Uh, I do not. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. on this series, and I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, so I, I want to ask you guys this because obviously the last two games have been kind of frustrating, you know, even though the Pacers lost to the Celtics. They had a chance to – Still five for, you know, the four seed, get home court advantage. They lose to the Nets. Just, you know, the Nets were probably the hungrier team because they needed to win. But would you call this a successful season for the Pacers? I'll start with you, Fachi. Would you call this a successful season? There's no way to purely, you know, sum it up as a successful season having lost 
Vic, but I think that the Pacers have a great shot at getting to that 48 win mark where, you know, at that point is exactly what we had last year and you didn't have Oladipo for essentially half the season. So in a way, unfortunately, that is successful. But we all know what we deemed a successful season coming into the season. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to achieve that. So unfortunately, the answer is no. Tony? Yeah, I pretty much the same thoughts. It's like without Vic, you can't say because your expectations go from what they were before the season to way to tick down. Like, I don't think very few people are going to predict they win this series anyway. It's like if you take it as it is every step of the way. Yeah, I mean, I think you can consider success, especially if they hit the over, even though he got hurt. But like the playoffs, when the games matter, you know, you can't call it a failure because they have this severe asterisk next to their next to their season. Tyler? Yeah, in the same way, if you were to, you know, compare it to, you know, what we saw at the beginning of the season, then absolutely, if you're, uh, you know, if you're thinking you're going to lose in the first round, then that would be a, a huge failure in the eyes of, you know, everybody because they wanted more uh, for this team. I will say that I think a lot of people believe that if they did have Oladipo, that they had a, a pretty clear path to get the number three seed this year. And, of course, who knows what they would have done you know, in that series against number six. But when you look at it from that standpoint, there's at least some optimism there about what could have been and, and what maybe lies ahead for the future if they get him healthy and, and build around him a little bit. But um, I don't know. It's As these guys are saying, it's kind of a wash. You don't really know how to answer that question at this point. Yeah. So, well, let's just jump ahead then. Let's just put everything aside and let's get down to what people really want to hear us talk about the Boston Celtics. So um, my first thoughts – I just I want to hear you guys before I jump in and take anybody's thunder. So, looking at the regular season, I'll start with you, Tony. What can we take away from the regular season series and kind of use it to evaluate this team going into the uh, the playoffs against Boston? I think we can all agree the first two games can be thrown out the window because Vic played in both, and that second one especially, Vic played, but it was the third and fourth nights on the road. I think it was Philly, Toronto. Boston. I know Toronto is one of the three. I don't remember the first team, but it was a good team. I might have been Milwaukee. Either way, it was like there's no way they're winning that game. Like yeah. no chance. Um, so those two are gone mostly because of Vic. And then the last two you can evaluate. So they sucked in Indy. Like they were horrible in that game. Uh, Hayward was awesome. All the stars did exactly what you think they're going to do for Boston in the playoffs, where all the Pacers good guys did not do so hot. So the other time in Boston, I think – you know, when they was more even, they they limited a few of their starts. I think that is how you can look at it if you want to be like simplistic and have an overview of the series. It's like the Celtics have more star power. If you can slow it down, you have a chance because you know role players are role players. Like they're good, but in the playoffs, their value is significantly diminished. I think uh, for a big overview of the series, if you want to take away something from those two games, it's you got to slow down their stars. Well, let me ask you this real quick, Tony, because Darren Collison did not play in the home game against Boston. Yep. How big of a factor can he be in this series? Uh, he's not a 20-point factor, and they lost that game by 20. So I do think it matters, obviously. His his creation is still a thing. Um, I, I hate that he can't dribble past a big, but he can he can do stuff when he's out there that, that helps them. So I'm sure he levels that a little bit, but it's like – like Kyrie set the tone in the first quarter against the Pacers' best guard defender. I don't think Darren Collison changes that or anything like that. So I, I think he helps, but I don't want to be like, you know, we can, we have to throw that game out the window because of that. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Tyler, what did you take from this uh, season series? 
Well, I think uh, I, I agree with Tony. The last two are really fun to look at, but I do say you know a lot. Of, I see a lot of fans that are you know freaking out over the last game when just a week before they played really well and and actually got some confidence with that close loss in Boston. To me, it was a combination of Collison not being there and uh, Bogey. You know, Bogey had 27 in Boston, then shot one for eight in the game at home. You got to get both of those guys going. Um, the other thing that maybe a takeaway is in the four games that they played, there was a couple Boston blowouts and then a couple close games. I could see the series actually playing out in a similar way where there's a couple nights where Boston has it and they just blow Indiana out. When the games are close, when the Pacers have a chance, they have to find a way to come out on top. If they have any one of those you know, close losses that we've been accustomed to, especially early in the series for the playoffs, uh, it's not going to be good news. they got to find a way. They don't know who's going to take the big shot, but they got to find a way to win the close one. Faji? Alex, I broke out my shovel and I went digging for stats, and I found a couple things right over here that are must-stops because the Celtics dominated rebounding in the four games. They actually, in all three of their wins, they led in rebounds. In all four of the games, they shot a better field goal percentage than us and outscored us in fast break points throughout every single game of the series. So the key is you got to also be able to, A, stop them in the paint because the only game that we outscored them in the paint is the game that we won in the beginning of the year with Oladipo. So it sounds like they've just dominated in terms of rebounding, fast break, points in the paint, and those are huge stats. So if you can't stop that and you can't stop a guy named Kyrie Irving, then you're in some big trouble. So the Pacers have a lot to worry about, and I think it starts with a few of those stats. Well, there was some interesting uh, news. I think it was Sunday against, I forget who, was it the Magic that the Celtics played on Sunday? Uh, Yes. Marcus Smart, oblique injury. Tony, have, is there an update on what the status of that injury is? Uh, Woj's report and the team's report and Brad Stevens' report, back to back to back, we're all different. Um, but he's not playing right now. I think they're playing right now. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. But that would be a huge deal because I, a lot of Celtics people, I, I'd probably peg him as their third or fourth most important player. Like, you got Horford, Kyrie, and then maybe Smart. I mean, I know like Tatum's a great scorer and they've got other good players, but Smart does a lot for them. Yeah, he sets that tone defensively. And, I mean, if you watch that game against Indiana on Friday, he took Bojan out of the game completely. And that was my biggest takeaway from that game. Bojan was absolutely non-existent. And I, I don't want to say this to be mean, but uh, maybe it's the wrong term, but I'm going to say it anyway, and you guys can laugh at me and correct me if I'm wrong. But I just feel like Bojan might not be athletic enough to be a one-on-one scorer against the defenders of Boston. you got Jalen Brown, who didn't play in that game. You've got... You know, Jason Tatum, you've got Marcus Smart, you've got guys that are a little bit more physical, a little bit more, you know, defensive minded, and they're a little bit more athletic than Bojan. And I think that it might be a struggle for him to, you know, be a, you know, prominent go to scorer um, in a series against Boston, especially over seven games, because Brad Stevens is a fantastic coach at, you know, knowing how to guard players. And that's one of the biggest concerns I have for the Pacers because we already lack scoring without Oladipo. And if they can shut out Bojan like they did on Friday, I mean, this series is going to be a wrap quick. So whoever wants to chime in, just raise your hand and I'll call your name. But uh, uh, that's that's just kind of how I feel about it. And if I'm wrong, you know, let me know because I just that's my biggest concern. All right, Fachi, your hands up. You know, I got my hand raised like I'm in class because, like <laughs> I was saying before, this is the series that Miles Turner has to step up. 
has to. I mean, it, it went completely under the radar, but Aaron Baines had a double-double in both of the last games. He had 13-13 and 13 and 11-11, and 11, and that just can't happen. If you're going to let a big beat you, I mean, come on, Al Horford, you, you, can, you can at least live with that. But Miles Turner has to step up. Never made it out of the first round. I get it. The Pacers have had three. The last three years have been just such tight series. I mean, two game sevens, you know, whether you're going against the Raptors or the Cavs, and then the closest sweep of all time. Miles Turner needs to be the guy to get us to the second round because you can't just rely on Boyan to do it every single night when he could be matched up with a guy against Marcus Smart. Also, found it interesting that Boston did sign a guard today. So Jonathan Gibson thought, you know, maybe Marcus Smart could miss a little practice time. Whatever it is, I thought that was interesting. That's a good point, especially for the injury concerns. But, um, Tyler, what are your thoughts on that, what I said? Anything? Yeah, I think actually, you know, one of the keys to this series for me is, you know, Nate McMillan's um, adjustments and if there are any to be had. And, you know, if they're completely shutting out Bogdanovich, they've got to find other ways to get him involved instead of going ISO in the corner or, you know, whatever they're trying to do with him. Um, I did have a question, too, though. Tony, have you heard anything about Jason Tatum? I, I heard he was banged up as well. Is there any truth to that or is there any uh, reports he... you've seen from that? Yeah, he got hurt in their Magic game, and he came out of the game, but I don't think it was severe because no one asked Brad about it or, like, no one's worried about Tatum being out. Not that I've heard of. I mean, I haven't been super snoopy on that regard, though. Shit yeah, something to watch. I don't yeah, I'm guessing much. it's just, like, anytime anyone gets, like, a minor cut in these games, it's just like, you're done. Your season's over. We're seeing the playoffs, you know. That's, uh, I don't think he's out. I don't know, though. Well, maybe they should hold him out that way that they can, you know, keep his trade value high for Anthony Davis. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> but yeah, so okay, well let's let's just kind of break it down then. So, what are your biggest concerns going up against Boston, Tony? Ooh, uh, they have a guy named Kyrie Irving who's pretty uh, pretty good. Uh, and it's funny because the Darren Collis needs to be out on the court to me. Be just steady hand, actually can score the ball. Corey Joseph cannot do that recently. But you can't stop him if you have Darren Collison on the floor. In fact, you can't stop him at all if you'll recall the last possession of their game in Boston. Um, that just that scares me so much because not like like at the end of games you do need someone to score and one team has that and one team doesn't in the playoffs. And on the flip side for for the Pacers, I worry you know they they ha- if they, if Smart does play and they can take Boyan out of games that easily like so it's it's both that he only made one shot and that he only took eight and he only had three shots in the first half like. The fact that they actually have a game plan to take the Pacers' best score out of the game is is supremely impressive. You know, they have all these guys, Brown, Tatum, Morris, Hayward, uh, Smart, I feel like I'm missing some more, who are all the exact same size, so they switch everything. And the Pacers do an off-ball screen for Boyan. Every possession he gets the ball, it doesn't matter. The player guarding him is the right size to guard him, so it's going to be hard for him to score. That's why I think you need Collison on there to also score, but then he can't guard Kyrie. It's like, the X's and O's battle is so fascinating, and I think that because the Celtics have these stars, it's, it's going to be stars um, after Kyrie. Anyway, it's going to be hard for them to match up in, in a way unless they can find a guy who's significantly better than his matchup. And it's hard to find, like, one that works super well for them. Okay, well, let me counter this. Would you be willing to see Wesley Matthews try to guard Kyrie Irving, a little bit bigger guy who's a pretty solid yeah, defender? Yeah, but, but he can guard Smart. He, Smart's not a shooter. Yeah. Smart is like a hundred percent three point shooter against the Pacers, though. Well, but <laughs> I know I'm that I know that doesn't actually over matter. Over a seven game series, I'm I know. Who would you rather have him guarding smarter, uh, smarter? <laughs> oh, Kyrie. absolutely smart. Um, yeah, it's. 
I just there's so many cross matchers that scare me because of their size. And Brad does such a good job with the what he calls positionless basketball stuff. And especially now that they go Baines Horford, where they can get Hayward off the bench and Jalen Brown off the bench. It's like or or Marcus Morris or whoever. There's just so many options that it's hard to cross match <laughs> and, and find the advantage. Yeah. Uh, well, Tyler, what are your thoughts on the the biggest concerns that we have against Boston? I think it's pretty simple. The, the Celtics have the dude, and the Pacers do not. And uh, you're talking, you know, not just to, to lead the team throughout the game, but late in games, and, and we saw up there at the end of the game at the Garden uh, the, other, the other day. I mean, it's just really tough um, when you don't have that go-to score. Also, the way the teams have been uh, trending lately, I mean, it's not like the Celtics have been, you know, trending up like crazy. They still have their, their fallback games and still maybe some issues within the locker room at times, but the Patriots have just been on a downward spiral, and even if they do get some rest, it's just the way the trends are looking, um, it's not looking too great. Pachi? Kyrie Irving is the guy to stop. Uh, I will, If you can stop him, I'll be fine with anyone else being the one to beat us because he shot over 50% throughout the whole series, the four games against the Pacers. So that's the guy. It's not even just 50%. It's clutch timely baskets i mean i don't need to remind anybody of the game winner that he hit just about a week ago it still hurts so i'm not over it i'm sure you guys aren't either <laughs> yeah and i mean you can't have gordon hayward coming up the bench going nine for nine either i mean that's something you got to work you on can't. too yeah that, so. that's a sneaky other one i almost said is like if, he's if so gordon good. Hay- if gordon hayward is 90 percent even of utah gordon hayward and like for the last month of the year he's been awesome that what can you do, man? Like they, they suddenly have three basically all-star caliber players. I mean, and a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Gordon Hayward because he's had such a rough year coming back from the injury. He's not been himself. But around this time, I mean, that's close to the recovery time for him being fully yep. healthy. And yep. it's almost kind of nice because he's had those limited minutes throughout the season. He's going to have fresher legs than he's had in prior uh, seasons too. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I picked Boston to go to the NBA Finals. Uh, I, wow. Wow. I did that at the beginning of the season. I haven't come off that, so I can't like say that I think the Pacers are going to win the series because that's just going every- against everything I've said. But I just thought going into the season, I felt like they were the better team, uh, the best constructed team. I love Brad Stevens, and we'll see what happens. But um, what is the biggest weakness Boston has for Indiana to attack? I'll start with you this time, Fachi. Uh, it's clearly not in the paint because right over there they're getting it done i mean i i just don't know exactly what you can call as like a weakness if if gordon hayward is going to be that guy i would have said initially you know their bench when they're going to go to you know take out some of the starters but if gordon hayward is going to be who he's been recently putting up around 18 a game for the last basically 10 games then we're in trouble because i don't know where they're really going to have a weakness if they've clearly just outperformed us across the board but i'm gonna have to say when Kyrie irving goes out terry rogier has actually the lowest net rating of any rotational player in the league this year it's negative 8.8 so that might be the weakness when Kyrie irving's out we have to take advantage of it tony you look like you made a face there and you thought you was talking about the paint do you I have a, a rebuttal against that i love i want it well i wanted to butt in earlier when you're talking about rebounds because the Pacers actually did really good offensive rebounding against the Celtics. Horford is not like an like Baines is an awesome rebounder. Horford is not uh, mm-hmm. on the defensive end. Yeah, they kicked ass. That's why those yes. rebounding numbers are, and that matters. But you know, Sabonis in particular has been incredible in the offensive class against his team, and I think he is the guy that can exploit their weakness of just like in general the paint. Like Horford is too slow to keep up with his dives to the rim and. 
Baines is like slower than him too. I mean, Baines is tougher and has matched him pretty well, but like Sabonis has had a good game against them the last few times they've played. So I think that that would actually be where I would target as a weakness is like try to fit Sabonis in there as much as you can because of how good he's been against them. Okay, I like it. I, the more Sabonis, I not to step on your toes. No, 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 no. We are we are good. No, do it, man. I like stepping on Fachi's toes. He gets all, <laughs> he gets all excited. But Tyler, uh, biggest weakness uh, for Boston for Indiana to attack. Well, this may be cheating a little bit because it's not really an on the court issue. I think it might be off the court. Um, if anything's going to stop Boston in the first round, maybe it's team chemistry that they've had some issues with throughout the year. I mean, I really don't see that being a problem in the playoffs. Um, but I guess uh, from, a, from a playing standpoint, I've seen that they've got off to a lot of uh, slow starts in games, and maybe that's an issue if they're uh, constantly playing, you know, comeback. I could see them laying an egg or two in the series where they just don't have it because we've seen that a lot, um, even towards the end of the season when they feel like they're they're getting on a roll and then they just have a clunker somewhere. And if that were to happen, maybe the Pacers were, you know, to get a win or two, they would get a little life, and and then maybe Boston would press a little bit, but. Honestly, uh, there's not many weaknesses for the for on the court. Um, maybe off the court, something will come up, but I doubt it. Yeah, well, we can only hope, right? Maybe maybe Kyrie gets upset about something. It'd be great. But, um, you know, the one thing I'm excited to see is just how the rotations change in the playoffs because you always see, you know, random combinations that you didn't see all season because of circumstances, because guys are not playing as well and your leash is a lot shorter. Tony, you brought it up. You want to see Sabonis more, especially against Baines. I thought he was killing him that first half um, against Boston on Friday night last week. So um, what I'll go with you, Tony. What type of rotation changes do you expect McMillan to make this series? Uh, I think just the only like drastic one is McDermott's minutes get cut probably in half, to be honest, because Boyan and Thad are both really important in their own way. And if you're going to get Sabonis more minutes, he's going to have to play some four. So it's hard to find forward minutes for McDermott. I mean, obviously he's Boyan's backup, but like you need Boyan in there a lot, and they go three guard enough to throw him off with with Reek and two guards. So I think that McDermott might only be playing like like Trevor Booker last year was the ninth guy. He played about eight minutes a game. I think that's about where McDermott's gonna end up in this series. I think that's gonna have ripple effects that'll change the rotation a bit. Fachi? I'm seeing, obviously, no more than a ten man rotation, but between nine and ten, you have to give Sabonis more minutes. I mean, this is the time we were talking about it last week. I want to see him closer to that 30-minute mark compared to 25. And if those five minutes are going to come from from anywhere, take them from whoever. If you want to just go from a forward standpoint, if you want to slash McDermott's minutes, that's more than fine. But at the same point, there's other guys like I don't want to see Tyreek Evans playing, you know, 25 minutes if he's not going to be, you know, on point. Because we've how many times have we seen him just kind of slaughter an offensive possession? And we're probably not going to see Aaron Holiday, honestly, at all, unless it's a blowout. So yeah. I'm imagining that we're shrinking that down to about nine, ten men. Yeah, that's an interesting. I don't know if I agree about the Holiday thing. It just depends on the situation for me. Um, but one thing I want to ask you before I get to you, Tyler, real quick, both of you guys, uh, Tony and Mike, um, would you would you be opposed to subbing in Sabonis early for Thad? And then bring in Thad back with that second unit to guard Marcus Moore, someone that I think he would probably match up better Love it. with. Done. Because Sold. Sold. I'm in. I just my thing is I just Sabonis with Turner out there against those two bigs. They want to play that way. I think that benefits the Pacers because it gets Sabonis on the court more if they want to throw Baines and both Horford out there at the same okay. time. Well, this also matters less for the series, but also like Turner and Sabonis sucks in the playoffs. 
why are you keeping both guys? I've you know. So the fact that they have an opportunity against a team that plays two bigs as well to play both of them is a big deal, and I think they should pursue it for that too. But that's not related to the series, so let's uh, back off and go back to what you're saying. <laughs> Machi, anything? No, no, no. I'm, I'm with it. I, I, I love the idea, and why not? All right, Tyler, I'll get your thoughts on that, and then I want you to give me some of your rotation uh, changes you might expect from McMillan. Well, I like that idea, and I also like what, what you guys said about Sabonis because – I mean, it's playoff time. You got to play your best guys, and Sabonis is one of their best guys. And so they got to figure out a way to, to get them around the 30 minute mark or maybe even more, especially if you're balling out and playing pretty well. Um, I did have some thoughts about Holiday. I, I feel like, uh, I know this is a family show, but can I say, you know, will Nate McMillan have the balls to play Holiday when he <laughs> a has a family show? Wow. Yeah. And I, the thing I was wondering, I mean, the other day, Nate McMillan did kind of hint in one of his post-game conferences, he, he kind of hinted that there might be a chance if some other guys are not playing well for Holiday to step in. Um, my thing is, I, I don't know if I'd put him in the rotation right away, but if there's ever a game when the paces are flat and they just don't have it and they need a spark, that's the time, I think, that you can use a Holiday type. I mean, he's yeah, he's a rookie, but he's got no fear. He's the type of guy that can come in and, and maybe give that spark and, and, and see what happens there, but I don't know. Do you guys think you would have any any courage to to make that move, or is it just what Flashy said, like in a blowout situation? I think it's pretty much just in a blowout. But honestly, guys, what do you think of this? If Holiday takes advantage of the extended minutes against the Hawks, which he usually does, if he balls out, is that enough to get Nate to give him more minutes in the playoffs in an actual situation where it's not a blowout? Unleash, Tony. I can see. I'm, it. I'm, just, I'm just breathing. Uh, were you like asleep for January and February, like that whole? Those, those he was two great. Months? He was great. He, he was great. Okay, I yeah. must have missed all of that. Apparently, um, <laughs> no. I thought oh, no, 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 really no. good in, in No, March. no, no. I, I'm talking about that four game stretch starting with the Hawks on. That was November. When, he was very yes, good at that. Yeah, I agree. He was very good. I, very good. I agree. That's what I'm talking about. That was good. Uh, and he's been good <laughs> in March. Absolutely. I just, I have, I have so many like. If your team's at a point where you have to trust a rookie in the playoffs, how good is your basketball team? Like, there's just – I don't think he's, like, so awesome. He does a lot of, like, cool stuff, and he's good for for a rookie and all that, and, like, he fits in well with the second unit. But, like, he's not – he's just not as good as the other guards, and he's a rookie. He's going to make rookie mistakes. I'm just – I'm not about it at all. I know he does good things and is this ball of energy, if you want to call it that. But so is Corey Joseph. Like, he looks like he got shot out of a cannon every time he runs around the court. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm just – I'm pretty opposed to him playing actual rotation playoff minutes. I agree. That's what I was saying. I don't think that he is going to be seen Good. unless it's a blowout in the playoffs. Well, yeah. I don't think his Hawks game matters at all to getting him minutes. <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. Unless he, like, breaks yeah, some Wilts records or something. In Noah's eyes, I don't think the game matters at all, too. What he was hinting at was I think he, he may have been pushing at Corey Joseph or some other guys, like, hey, if they don't start playing well, there may be an opportunity for Holiday. He wasn't even really, you know, that was after one of Holiday's good games, and he wasn't even saying, like, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a good guard in the league at some point, but right now, the only opportunity really is if some other guys don't pick it up. So that's probably his only shot if he doesn't trust, you know, if Joseph is still like, one for 47 from three or something, then maybe, but still probably not. Yeah, no, I don't think Joseph's ever coming off the court. I think his defense is way too valuable to put in a holiday over him. The only person I could see him maybe getting minutes over is Tyreek if Tyreek is just completely awful. And we've seen the relationship between McMillan and Tyreek this year. It's not been the greatest. So with the suspensions, with 
the random food poisoning and then other reasons he missed games. I just this whole Tyreek experience has been interesting. But I went on record last week saying that Tyreek might be one of the most important players on this team for for this series because he's one of the only guys that can get to the basket. Now his numbers are terrible with finishing at the basket. I mean we saw the charts, but at the end of the day, I mean just the ability to create and to penetrate the lane to get open looks for other guys is a huge factor going into this series. So that's one of the things that I'm like, maybe Tyreek snaps out of it. Maybe the playoffs come and we see a different Tyreek. Now you can't expect that, but with the contract, you know, year for him again, you know, maybe he wants to prove that he hasn't been as bad as the season's shown. So there, there's reasons to, you know, be optimistic about Tyreek, but um, just to kind of wrap things up, I want to get your guys' final key points to beating Boston. I know it's probably not realistic for uh, a lot of us to think we can beat Boston, but what are some keys you think? I'll start with you, Tyler, and I'll end with you, Tony. So we'll go Tyler, Fachi, Tony. Can I say make shots? Does that count? <laughs> that works. Eh? I, like I mean, it. I in the game of basketball, man, it's like if you're just making some shots, it can cover a whole lot of other deficiencies and it can give you confidence. It can, I mean, you know, the Pacers have had a hard time defending them of late, um, defending a lot of people of late, but if they can just find some comfort and, you know, I, I guess the only good thing you can say is that this team plays their best when everybody doubts them. And, and I know these guys in this next week, they're going to see the media. They're going to see people saying a sweep or a you know, gentleman sweep of five games Maybe that gives them a little boost. Um, I mentioned this last week on the podcast. I think it's going to happen. Oladipo, I think, is going to join the team. We'll see if that happens. But he may give them a spark because he's got that that magic, that Oladipo magic. Um, but as far as keys, I mean, you got to find a way to for McMillan to make the right adjustments, make shots, get some confidence. If you can find a way to steal one in Boston, not likely, but if they can find a way, then uh, then who knows. You got to end the road woes. It has to end. Beating Detroit without Blake Griffin is not ending the road woes. You have to win in Boston. But like I said before, Miles Turner needs to step up. He needs to. He's been advocating for Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. Well, you know what? I know it's a regular season award, but please show it in the playoffs because everyone's going to be watching. If you can limit those. Those points in the paint, if you can stop, just I know Kyrie Irving is going to try and do whatever he can, but you have to do anything you can to limit just anyone who's going to come in. That's what Miles Turner does. Defend the rim, defend it well, be the guy we know you are on defense, but also show it on offense. And if Miles Turner steps up, this team will. Tony? Yeah, I, I agree on Turner. Um, you know, all the, he got better this offseason at all the things he was already good at with his defense and his floor spacing and. All that stuff, I think he's got to continue that against a team that, you know, they're going to try so hard to put pressure on their end. They have a lot of guys who are good in isolation. They'll try to do that. Turner's going to have to be good stopping those guys. On the flip side, Al Horford is so good at the angles and positioning of defense. If Turner can be hitting the shot, his outside shots well enough to get Horford to pull away from the rim, that helps a ton. Uh, and then every time the Celtics try to force you to do something, you got to make them pay. You know, if they're going to leave Thad wide open in the corner, Thad's got to make those shots. If they're going to make Tyreek go left, Tyreek's going to have to make the right reads. Those kind of things, they're, they're minuscule, but over possession on possession, if you can you know, beat them at the game that they're trying to make you play, they'll adjust, and all of a sudden you have advantages again. Awesome. Well, I, I forgot about this, and I was thinking about it when Tyler brought it up about winning a road game. Um, I feel like you know it's nice to have home court advantage. You won game seven on your home court, but I feel like the 
easiest games to steal are games one and two while you're still trying to get a feel for each other and the and the rotation. So Tony, do you do you kind of like the Pacers have a chance to maybe steal one on the road in the first two games instead of you know you know being the home court team and having to play games three and four on the road? Uh, I'd rather be the home home court team. No, <laughs> I, think I, get rather, it. I think I'd rather play at home. Yeah, I just I, just, I get it. Like, yeah, I, there's like anecdotes that are like, okay, yeah, maybe, but no, I I'd rather be home. Fachi, of course you want to be the home. You want to have home court advantage all day. I mean, they did steal one last last year against Cleveland. Yeah, that, that was a big game. That was really big. Um, hey, but, they did it against uh, Toronto a couple years ago with Paul yep. George in Game yep. One. I just feel like mm-hmm. it's so hard to tell at the beginning of a season, like our series, like. Hey, you know, this is kind of like we're still trying to figure each other out. Like, how's this? How's this series going to go? Now, I'm not saying I would rather have home court. I'm just saying it's nice to have that advantage of you know maybe stealing one early compared to you know someone stealing one on your home court early, putting the pressure on you, kind of like the Heat did to the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago as well. Mm-hmm. Just trying to defend myself. Yeah, I, agree. <laughs> I agree that uh, they have a better chance of winning on the road earlier in the series than they do later in the series. Yes. Um, especially with that backs against the wall. And if the Pacers were at home, maybe they'd feel like, you know, we're the favorites and feel the pressure that they have to win. Um, so in that regard, sure. But uh, not only is game seven huge to have at home, but game five is really big to have at home. And I'm not sure the Pacers can beat Boston both times in game three and four. So if they were to split those, then they have to win one of the two in Boston or they're probably going to lose in game five, uh, in five games in Boston. All right, so you're picking Celtics and five. I've, I've gone back and forth between five and six, and uh, I, just for that reason, you know, if we don't steal one of the first two, then yeah, I think it's going to be Boston five. Bocce? Celtics and six. It hurts me to say, but you can't go seven and fourteen over your last twenty-one and think you're going to come out hot against Boston. So, <laughs> fortunately, I think I'm going to go Celtics and six. Tony. I'm also uh, Team Celtics and Six. Awesome. I see you guys are agreeing now. I like how we got this all worked out. <laughs> you know, we'll have to work on that January, February Aaron Holiday comment you made there, Fachi. But... Oh, my God. Kill me over it. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm still getting killed for my Miles Turner take, so it's all right. You know, but um, it's 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 all fun, and I'm excited for this series. You know, you never know what's going to happen. It's the NBA playoffs. Um, you know, Boston got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. So, you know, not saying the Pacers are going to do that, but, hey, you never know what can happen. So uh, from us here at Setting the Pace, this wraps up the episode. We want to thank you again, Tony, for coming on. You guys can follow Tony on Twitter at TEastNBA. Um, you can follow Fachi at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can follow Tyler Smith at Tyler Smith underscore I-S-L. And you can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. And until next time, we will talk to you all uh, Thursday with Kevin Bowen. We'll see you all then. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.